Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey friends, if you are looking for ad-free Sense of Soul episodes, you can find them at Sense of Soul Patreon. Become a monthly member at any level. You will also have access to our monthly SOS Sacred Circles, our mini-series, merch, and much more. And it's a great way to help support our podcast so that we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes twice a week with our enlightened guests from all around the world. Check out our Patreon. Hey, today on Sense of Soul, we have with us Samantha Fay, who I look up to, highly respect, and she's definitely one of my teachers, mentors, and she is the host of my second and third favorite podcast next to Sense of Soul, Psychic Teachers with Deb and Enlightened Impacts with Denise. Samantha is passionate about teaching people how to awaken and embrace their own intuitive abilities. And she did just this in her new book, The Awake Dreamer. And today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, dreams, with one of my favorite people, Samantha Fay. So thanks so much for joining us, Samantha. It's such a pleasure to have you back on Sense of Soul. I'm happy to be here. How are you? Good. Great to see you. It's good to see you too. I did get a chance to read your book. I loved it. I really did. And as always with you, I always had all of these synchronicities, which I know a lot of your listeners do. In fact, a lot of your listeners are our listeners as well, especially because I had shared that throughout our podcast that I was a listener of both of your podcasts. Mm -hmm. So like I'm reading your book and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like you're talking to me and it feels so comforting to know that other people are going through the same. Yeah, I know. I think that's was one of the most shocking things for me. I didn't share a lot of my weird dream experiences on the show for a while because first of all, no one really likes to hear about other people's dreams. You ever notice that you're hanging out with your girlfriends and you're like, I had the strangest dream last night and they kind of glaze over. They wanted to keep the show interesting. And then I just kept having these really, really strange dreams. And then listeners would email me saying, I think you were in my dream last night and it would match up with the dream I had had. So anyway, that led me to start sharing some of my strange dream experiences. And then I started collecting all these stories and I was like, I need to do research on this because it's not a dream. It's not necessarily astral travel in terms of like a Robert Monroe, let's meditate and listen to binaural. Right. It's not intentional. And so I thought, what is this? And anyway, that's what led me to research it and kind of do some background. And I discovered there are so many people that have these soul travel experiences. Yes. In fact, I was taking notes as I was listening, actually, to your book. I started to read it and then I was like, you know what? I need to clean my house. So I'm going to throw on the audible version, which thank you so much for having because I so have ADHD and I'm busy. So I love when there's an audible version. Our listeners know that dreaming is a huge part of my spiritual journey. I mean, it's like a go-to, like I sometimes can't wait to go to sleep so I can dream. (laughs) And we haven't talked about this in a long time, a long time. So I was so excited. We had a guy come on not too long ago, talk about sleep, but he didn't know anything about dreams. That's so interesting. Often that research is very, very separate, you know, like what is happening to the body and the mind when we sleep. And even some dream research is more focused on the typical normal dreams we all have. And we need to have those dreams. It's how we filter out our day. But new research is really amazing in what they're discovering. There is this new lucid dream experiment where they were able to communicate with the person while they were lucid dreaming through blinking. Oh, that's so cool. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. And I listened to um, an interview of the woman who did the research after trying, you know, reading those research papers. I'm like, oh, I finished school a long time ago, (laughs) but it was so fascinating. So I listened to some of her interviews and they took normal students at the college and they gave them kind of a very quick course and how to lucid dream and told them when you become awake and aware in the dream blink to let us know. And and they had this whole little code. That's super cool. You know, my dreams are so adventurous. I mean, I have the coolest dreams. (laughs) 
then like this would be an awesome movie and I've always been a dreamer I can remember dreams since I was like seven yeah. yeah, and some of them are like a reoccurring dream. And one reoccurring dream that I had, I ended up discovering, like you did, that someone else was having the same dream and going to the same place. Wow. And, you know, took a chance to throw my dream out there because you're right. Usually nobody's listening. It was my daughter. Just like you said at the beginning of your book that your friend did, she started finishing my sentences. Wow. What is the place that you guys went to? So, and I end up finding out more people have gone to this place as well, talking about it. So it's really cool. So it's kind of like a terminal and it's all white, very sleek, no right angles. Everything is smooth. And there's like a people mover, like down the middle, like if you're in a terminal and has like these wings everywhere, kind of, I guess, like an airport, but it doesn't seem like it's here on earth. But what's really crazy is I'm looking for something in my dream and my daughter is hiding from something. Wow. So are you looking for your daughter or are you looking for something else? I, you know, I didn't know that I was looking for her, but when she said she was hiding in fear and I'm like frantically looking for something. So it's really interesting. And then it was in the movie that uh, Disney came out called Soul. I love There's that like this part in that movie where it kind of reminds me of my dream where I think it's Soul's maybe mother is like on a, like a people mover and then she just falls down to earth. It yeah. reminded me of that. It was so weird. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have had that experience of like a tunnel. I describe it in the book as like Penn Station or Grand Central. It feels like I know what you mean by those smooth kind of off-white walls. And I wonder, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who sadly passed away a few years ago, but she wrote a lot about dreams and she believed that there was this liminal space where we would go for these dream connections and experiences. And in that liminal space, we could meet with our guides, our angels, our loved ones who had passed on or, or just sit with our higher self and kind of go over kind of like a mini life review. Anyway, yeah. so I wonder if you know, your daughter is doing that. If we all do that, we kind of travel through this, this tunnel of light kind of, again, like a, mm-hmm. like a mini near death experience. Right. Cause they used yeah. to call, they used to call sleep le petite death, you know, le petite mort. I mean, you know, like the, the little death, cause we don't know where we're really going when we yeah. fall asleep, we're out of consciousness. And so I wonder if she's just afraid of that experience it might be comforting for her to know you're there keeping an eye on. I know. I know we've laughed about it. There's another strange thing that I heard you mention in the book that you felt like you were going to school sometimes. Yes. And I've had that. Like I have actually gone to school where I was in this like college auditorium. And when I would wake up, like in real life, I would wake up. It was like I was on a break and I was like, okay, I got to go back. At one point I was confused on which was real. Yeah, because that's, and that's always a sign, I think, of a soul travel dream, because it does, it feels realer than reality. I thought I was so unusual in these dream experiences, because they happened over and over and over again. And I would meet with the same people. I had friends in these classes and we would talk and I knew what was going on in their day life. And we were learning all about healing and spirituality and intuition. I thought it was fascinating. And and like you, I used to really look forward to going to sleep when I had these experiences. And I learned a lot about energy and how all of that works. And then I read Michael Tallinger's book, and he has a whole section in there about how he went to an astral school several, several times in his dreams. And then I read a wonderful book from the 1960s called Breakthrough to Creativity. And it's about a psychiatrist who's trying to just She's just on the seeker's path. And so she starts interviewing people who have had precognitive dreams or intuitive insights. And it's really neat the way she sets up her experiment because she wants to interview and research only people who have a very high level of intelligence and education and are not working in a metaphysical field. So she interviewed doctors and lawyers, uh, one CEO, two ambassadors, who had reported these strange experiences. And what I found interesting in her book, they had these astral school experiences, 
But the doctors would go to school and learn about healing things in different modalities in their medical field. One doctor, after having all of these experiences in his dreams, was able to see auras during the daylight, during his you know waking life while he was with patients. And he couldn't tell anyone about this because, you know, they'd take away yeah. his wonderful medical degree. But he was able to diagnose so much more clearly and accurately. She interviewed another woman who was a vice president in marketing, and her astral school dreams were about the business world. Wow. Isn't okay. that neat? And they all describe it the same way that you do, like a college campus, um, other wow. people in the, in the class, there are teachers. Really? Yeah. And in the 1960s, one of them even described, and this is something that I saw a lot in my astral school dreams, a hologram image instead of like a chalkboard. So, in, you oh. know, instead of like the teacher writing on a whiteboard or a dry erase or a chalkboard, they would just project like a hologram image of what they were trying to teach. I did not see a teacher, but I could hear a voice. And I too saw students. And I remember specifics, like there was someone in a striped shirt. You know, I and I wrote these things down. So that's a big part of, you said if there was two things that you took from reading your book, it was to meditate and also to journal. The journaling part became very vital because I believe too, I mean, even if it's just something like, I didn't dream, but I woke up feeling, you know, drained. Even that's a very important part that maybe might put stuff together, say at the end of the week, the end of the month. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it doesn't have to be people hear journaling and they think, oh, I don't have time for that. It could just be something you, you jot down in your day planner. It can be, I have an app on my phone and I'll just use my mic and talk into it because I'm too tired to, you know, Me too. Writing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just marking down anything you remember, colors, sensations, sights, emotions, sense, any, anything that you can recall. And if you didn't dream anything, write down, didn't dream anything. And then you can look through that and notice patterns where you stressed out the night before you didn't remember your dreams. Was there something going on in your daily life that, you know, prohibited you from dreaming? Cause if we're very, very stressed out, we tend not to have very good dream recall, or we'll have those funky mm. dreams. Yeah. This is a topic that I could talk about all day long. I feel like my dreams have been so revealing to me. And sometimes it's not right away. So I have dreams that I had years ago that just like over this past year, I figured out what they meant. Those kind of premonitions. I don't know. What kind of dreams do you consider that? Well, it depends if, if it's a dream you had years ago and it came true several years later, that could be a premonition dream. But if it's a dream you had that you couldn't make sense of until something shifted in a relationship or work aspect, I think that's more of just those dreams we have where we're given kind of signposts and clues as to where our path is supposed to go. Mm, Yes. I've had a lot of those and I too see the same people. You know, like I have this Roman dude, he's got a long red robe. He's showed up throughout the years telling me like one word things. Like one time he told me to take a sabbatical. (laughs) That's interesting. That sounds like a spirit guide, doesn't it? It could be. And actually he has shown up in a drum journey one time and I was like, what are you doing here? As a mother of four kids working, doing everything you do, what did you do when he told you to take a sabbatical? Because I would have been like, really? Where's my lottery ticket then? <laughs> well, I was thinking, I feel like I am on a sabbatical. It's not like I work like nine to five. But, you know, actually, podcasting so is really, it. you know, yeah, I think that I did, you know, consider that I needed to make sure that I had designated days that had nothing to do with podcasting or, you know, with anybody but my family. So, Yeah. You know, and that's actually been a huge part of, you know, my spiritual growth has been making space for me. So (laughs) that was a long time ago that he told me that, but you have had dreams and you start off your book talking about having a dream with a friend of yours, a coworker. Tell us about that. 
She's a coworker and a friend. So you're right. Yeah. It's not like the most uh, mind blowing dream, but interesting because it was similar to the dream you and your daughter had where we're walking through what I describe as a subway tunnel. And I'm walking with my guide going one way and she's coming towards me with her guide. And I waved and said, hello. And she waved and said, hello. And that was all I remembered. But the next day I was at work and I was at the copier and and she walks in and I said, you were in my dreams last night. And I'm starting to tell her the dream and she's finishing all my sentences. And she said, I had the same exact dream about you last night. And so it's just an example of a shared dream experience. And I don't think these are rare, but I don't think they're also incredibly common. So I think when they happen, it's really special because it shows to me anyway, it kind of proves what I feel that when we go to sleep many nights, we leave our body, our soul is traveling to the other side, to rest, to recuperate, to go over our soul plan, to get guidance, to help others, all sorts of wonderful things. And these shared dream experiences to me kind of prove that. Yeah, that's just amazing that it happened in the same night. I've had that happen as well with someone totally random where I decided to tell him and he was like, really? I was about to text you that. And I was like, whoa, that's so weird. So do you think that that's some sort of soul connection? I do. I do. And I think sometimes it's a soul connection. I think sometimes we are called upon to help others or others are called upon to help us. I had a really powerful dream years ago that a friend I knew in high school was like in kind of a hospital room. It it looked different. Everything on the other side, I feel looks a little different. It was more homey and cozy than than a hospital room here in the States. But I went in and his whole family was there. And I asked if I could, you know, just put my hands on his head and just send him some healing energy. And everything about that dream was so real. I spoke to his mother and we caught up over some things. I hadn't seen these people in years. And, you know, a couple of months later, out of the blue, he sent me a Facebook message, just, you know, happy holidays. Are you and your friends going to the reunion? Right. Nothing big. And I messaged back and said, you know, yeah, it's so good to hear from you. I had the strangest dream about you a couple of months ago where for some reason I was like offering you healing. It's so weird and blah, blah, blah. And he told me that that was when he had lost his job and was in a really bad state of depression. And so I just wonder if his family and I were gathered around him to give him his soul some healing during that really stressful, difficult time. I started reaching out to these people who I have dreams about, right? Just to check in on them, you know, just to make sure. I just, I actually just did that this past week with someone. And actually there was a friend of ours in the dream that had passed. One of my very first mediumships that I ever experienced was with her. And it was a few days after she died. And one of the things that she told me was, and I could visit you in your dreams. Those are so precious moments for me. And I know you have a whole chapter in your book about it because a lot of people want to get in touch with their loved ones. Yeah, they really do. And I think it's, I think it's wonderful to be able to go to a medium and have that confirmation that a medium can give you. But to me, there's nothing as special as having a visit with them in the, in the dream state, you know, and usually they will come through to to pass on an important message. It's rare that they'll take the effort and energy needed to get into your dream state just to kind of say hello. Cause Um, you said it's hard for that. It's very hard. Yeah. Their energy has to, has to match up with ours. And I have found that they have to be open to the idea And you, the dreamer, have to be open to the idea. So if you are a very, uh, like, let's say, analytical left brain person, or if you're um, a devout atheist, you might not be able to receive a dream experience. Now, that's not 100% true. I'm just saying, in general, it tends to be that the people who are more open to this type of experience and aren't in the active stages of of overt grieving tend to be able to have these these visitations. And in the beginning, they usually want to come through just to say, hello, I'm here. I made it. I'm still alive, just in a different place, in a different form. But then sometimes they'll come back with really important messages. I I mean, I share a story in the book about a, a woman who was afraid of going on through with her wedding because her future father-in-law had passed quickly and unexpectedly from a heart attack shortly before. And he came through in her dream 
to say, no, go, go ahead with the wedding. I want you to have the wedding. And he was able to appear to his, his wife as well, to give her the same message. So they knew he wanted them to go ahead with the wedding. And so often they'll come through with really a needed message that people, you know, it will help propel them on their, on their path. Mm. You know, that reminded me of a dream after my dad died six and a half years ago, and I brought him to the hospital. I personally drove him there and made him go. And he never left the hospital. So I had this guilt for bringing him to the hospital. It was really an unconscious guilt, but it was the worst dream. He was alive, raw at Thanksgiving. All of a sudden he just like drops dead. And like my children are crying over him. And it's just like hectic and horrible. And then the next part of the dream that I could remember is I'm like looking at, it was like an autopsy going on. I was so flipped. I wake up and I'm like, why would he show me this? And then all of a sudden it dawned on me because had I not taken him to the hospital, he may have died like in front of all of us. And it would have, yeah, may have been traumatizing. And then I connected the part with the autopsy just, I mean, all this stuff just came as knowings, but that this is just as physical. So like, it's just a body. I was just at first. So like, oh my God, what a terrible dream. Like, why would I be thinking this stuff that I would dream that? But actually I think it was very needed because I really started at that time to feel the lifting of the guilt of bringing him to the hospital, which is so silly. Of course you're bringing someone to the hospital if they were sick. Right. Right. But you know, grief and guilt, it's never rational, right? Right. (laughs) It never is. And I often wonder too, when experiences like that, I've heard stories not like that, but similar. And and it always makes me wonder, couldn't he have just come to you in a dream and told you that? I said that. (laughs) Right. But then when I was doing research for this, I learned our subconscious doesn't understand words. It doesn't speak in words. And so that's why our dreams are usually so visual and episodic and have these events going on right in front of us. And so that was probably the best visual he could give you to explain this is why it has to be this way. And please don't feel guilty about that. I think that made their bad dreams are actually trying to teach us something too. Yes. Oh, I definitely think most scary dreams are really very, very beneficial because they do show us what's blocking us in our life. And at that moment, your grief was blocking you and it was weighing you down. And so that scary dream helped you to relieve that. I do think, and I have a whole chapter on this too. I do think a very small percentage of scary dreams are something nefarious and weird and wacky out there. And I I talk about the hag syndrome that a lot of people experience where they wake up and their body is paralyzed and they see this older woman, this demonic type being sitting on, on their chest and she's stealing their energy. Now science will explain that away. And and I completely respect that. But when I've been collecting stories, I just found it interesting that everyone who had a hag experience, who I had come across either in research or from listeners to my podcast, emailing me had these experiences after they started coming around to this idea of something more, whether that was God, a higher power, a spirit guide, just something more than this physical world we live in. Mm-hmm. I've had so many people email me who had just started going back to church or had just started meditating and praying daily. And suddenly they would have this scary experience. And I just don't really believe in coincidence. I think there's something to that. And that would be kind of scary. <laughs> you know, we all are slightly paralyzed when we sleep, because if we weren't, we'd act out our dreams and that would not be good. But when you wake up, when your mind wakes up before your body does, and you can't move, that alone is scary. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that. I think most people have, and it's, it's very, very frightening, but then to wake up, realize you can't move. And there's this being on top of you. uh, That's, that's even more. And I I write about a good friend of mine who had just started going back to church. He was raised in a very uh, strict, you know, the the Bible, whatever is in there is 100% true and nothing else. And and she had rebelled against that. And she was coming back to her faith in in a way that really worked for her and had found a church that she really liked. She didn't know, she had forgotten everything she learned. And so she would fall asleep every night saying the, um, the Lord is my shepherd prayer. 
Mm. And she fell asleep to that. And she woke up and that woman was sitting, you know, on her and she could feel like her energy leaving her body. And she couldn't remember the prayer. All she could remember was the Lord is my shepherd. She couldn't remember any of the other words. And the minute she said those words, the thing disappeared. And so she went to her pastor later that day and told him, and he said, oh, he, he, he didn't blow it off, but he acted like she had said, you know, I can't find this chapter in the Bible. He was like, oh yeah, that happens all the time. He said, I hear that so often from, from my parishioners who are really getting invested in their faith. He said, just keep focused on your faith and that negative stuff will leave you alone. They'll get bored. You do talk about that too, how it's so important to protect yourself before you go to bed. Yeah. yeah. You wonder if that's why people have always said prayers, right? Before they go to bed. Yes. Although that now we lay me down to sleep prayer used to scare the crap out of me when I was. I used to analyze it. I know. I hope no one trespasses in our house. It says like, if I die before I wake. Before I wake. I know. You know, I actually do the one that you mentioned in the book, the four corners of my bed, four angels there be spread, one at the head and one at the feet and two to guard me while I sleep. I taught that to my kids too. Yeah. That's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. I just think energy is energy, you know, and I I think we need to walk into our day with grounding and meditation and prayer. And I think we need to walk out of our day into our sleep with grounding meditation and prayer. And it doesn't have to take a long time. I think people hear that and they think, oh, I don't have 30 minutes. It can take one minute, you know, we just focus on within for, for a minute and ask for that protection. Yeah. It's all about the intention. Yeah. yeah. Even the intention of I'd like to dream tonight. If you want to dream, just arrange that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And whatever you're focusing on during the day is going to show up in your dreams. So sometimes just reading books on dreams will increase your dream recall, which I find fascinating. And you might notice this with your own show, whatever I'm researching and reading about and watching documentaries on. And- oh, yeah you know, it will show up in my dreams very often. Absolutely. There's this one night I had a triple goddess circle. We were going through all the aspects of the triple goddess and talking about, you know, the different stages of a woman. I go to bed in my dream. I felt my mama, like I felt her so much. Like I I've never felt anything so real. And I see who I thought maybe was the goddess Bridget. And I'm like, what are you doing here? She kind of like holds her hand to my momoa and she goes, this is your crone. You are the maiden. And I was like, what? I thought I was the mother. Like, cause I figured I was in the mother stage. And she goes, when you're dealing with your mother, you're the maiden. And when my dad died, I have to do everything for my mom. She basically told me to step back and stop mothering my mother. <laughs> yeah. That was just, it was a different aspect of the triple goddess. I'd never considered And so, I mean, that wasn't something that was conscious in my mind, right? That was like some sort of teaching from the other side. Yeah. I think that's powerful when we have a dream experience that our own mind probably wouldn't have come up with because it does show us something more is happening here. And I like that idea that even if we're no longer a maiden and we're now a mother, we can still serve as mother mating. And I bet you, you serve as a crone in other areas of your life as well. Especially since I've started menopause. (laughs) You're too hair. I'm definitely serving the crown. But you're right. Like when you're going through things in your life, whether it's even movies, right? That you're that you may have just watched a whole series, like all of a sudden you're a Viking, right? I want to braid my hair, my, you know. <laughs> and there's this other one where I was going through like long haul COVID, like stomach issues. And so I was up a lot during the night because my stomach was hurting. And I had this woman come in, and you kind of mentioned something like this in your book about healing, having them heal you in your dreams. But this woman comes in and like puts her hands over my stomach almost to like give me Reiki and I'm like thank you so much and she's leaving and I'm like wait a minute who are you and she turns around she goes oh I'm the hunter's wife I'm like who the fuck's that (laughs) did find out that goddess Bridget could be the hunter's wife but there's no way I could have came up with that shit and guess what my symptoms of COVID pretty much ended around that time so it was pretty great. Oh, that's <laughs> so I know like the Native Americans, indigenous cultures have used dreams for medicine. How common did you find that though? I found it to be pretty common. And what 
I learned from my listeners, especially is that these healing dream experiences only happened after they asked for them and they weren't asking for a healing dream experience, but they would be asking for help healing with this or that. Um, I tell a story about a, a woman who this was years ago in the early nineties. So she had this chronic issue that doctors could not diagnose at all. And she was going from doctor to doctor to doctor and no one, you know, everyone just told her, oh, you just need more rest. And she knew something else was really, really wrong. And so she kept praying, you know, please show me what is really wrong with me. And she woke up one morning, early, early in the morning, and she couldn't remember her dream. All she remembered was a name, a first and last name. So this being the early nineties, she rushed to the yellow pages and it was a doctor a couple of towns away. So she made an appointment with this woman and the woman diagnosed her with Lyme disease. And that is what was wrong with her. You know, all the other doctors were telling her, oh, you're just tired or, you know, you're, you're a mom, you need more sleep. And that was not it. And this was back before that was more of a common, you know, understanding of a diagnosis. And she found it through a dream of a, of a name. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Another listener emailed me. She was dealing with chronic depression. It would come and go, but it was something she dealt with for years. And we had just done a show on the power of prayer. And I had emphasized in there that, you know, asking you shall receive is really important. Like you have to ask for that intercession. And so she fell asleep asking, you know, please, please, please show me what's causing my depression. Show me what I need to heal it. You know, whatever it is, I'm open. I'm asking for help. And she had a dream and she was not Catholic and she was not, you know, really into any specific religion, but she dreamt of a woman and she said, she said she just knew it was mother Mary. And Mother Mary put her through this, she called it like an MRI machine of light. It was just like this tube of light. And she felt the depression lifting. Mm -hmm. She said, I woke up, I felt light, I felt whole, I felt complete. And she said, I don't know what happened, but it hasn't come back. And, you know, that was several months ago. So I, I don't know, I find that really intriguing. Yeah, some of these dreams I feel are almost like with the one about the doctor. I mean, that's like almost proof. Yeah. Like how could that be? You know, if she had never heard of this doctor, you know, I mean, I, that's just totally first last name. Like I've never gotten yeah. a first and last name from a dream. Right. And so I feel like that mediumship and dreams are kind of similar when you receive, you know, stuff. I mean, I feel like it's all kind of like the same. So there's a, at a certain point, if you're open for it, you're able to connect with the other side. It's I think really my mediumship really started in my dreams. Mm-hmm, me too. I started having all these dream experiences. It started with the old man who said his nickname was Red. He was wearing a red <laughs> baseball cap. He appeared to me a couple of times and would have me walk out into my kitchen and there'd be all these people there. And he would say, go on, darling. They just want to shake your hand. And when I would hold their hand, I'd see their last moments on earth. And, um, you know, it was a little frightening and, and offsetting, but I also felt so honored. I felt like these were people who had died suddenly and tragically, and they needed a medium, you know, someone who had a foot in both worlds to kind of witness and validate their last moments and help them come to terms with the fact that, yes, this journey has come to an end and I need to fully step into the light. And when I started uh, doing readings years ago, that was, you know, incredibly terrifying, Um I'm sure you can relate to that. It was, it was just really hard to put myself out there. And I remember what would happen a lot is I would dream of the person I was going to bring through. So the the first time it happened, I had this dream and I was at a college football game. And I remember in the dream, knowing I was dreaming and wondering why am I having this dream? I didn't know the college. I didn't know the football game. I didn't know anyone there. And I'm walking along the sidelines and this, this young man is wearing a Hunter green college sweatshirt. And he stands up and waves, Sam, Samantha. And he said, tell my mom, I made it. I'm in college. And then he picks up this beautiful young woman next to him by the elbow. And he's like, stand up, stand up. And he goes, and this is my girlfriend. He said, tell my mom it was an accidental overdose. And he gave me this whole reading. So the the next day I go in and she was my third client of the day. And she was so angry, you know, as I would be, as anyone would be. She was just so angry. And the first one or two things I said, she was like, no, no, that makes no sense. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not getting this. And the, you know, the terror and the sweats. And, and suddenly I remembered that dream and I just recounted the dream to her. And uh, she said, I have his, I have that Hunter Green sweatshirt. He said he died this, he died the summer before he was supposed to start college. And she was so relieved because she had thought it was suicide. And, oh, and he made it. <laughs> yeah. And he made it and it was an accidental overdose. And she really needed to hear that. So, yeah, I think for a lot of people who are on the seeker's path and wanting to embrace their intuition, I do think it can start in dreams, especially if you're like me. I don't know. I feel like I'm so grounded and practical. When these intuitive experiences started happening, I really, really second and 32nd guessed myself. Like what is happening? I just did not believe it. It was a very, very hard time for me. And and the dreams helped me realize that something is happening. Which is why I started to write mine down so I could have proof to show somebody if I did. However, you know, it's really interesting. I don't ever get mediumship really for other people. I get like universal kind of knowings. Like, what do you You mean by that? I mean, not for specific people. Like I never, ever get like any kind of mediumship, like tell this person that or speak with like individual people. Like, like I remember this one dream. I saw this guy on the side of this river and showing me some oyster shell. I said, this is the yolk. And a drop of water falls on the yoke, goes into the water, and there's creation. So, you know, something like that. Like, weird stuff like that, but then, like, later on, it all makes sense. So it's it's interesting because I feel like I've been noticing that a lot because Mandy gets mediumship messages. Mine's so different than that. It's so, it's so interesting. I wonder why. Do you know anybody like me? <laughs> yes. Well, I think, I think most of us will get those dreams like you're talking about. They're so beautiful and vivid and, and they're helping you understand the greater picture. Yes. And you're, you're studying Gnosticism and you're studying the triple goddess and you're studying these bigger, wider, harder to understand really concepts And so, of course, your guides are going to give you dreams about these beautiful, poetic, wonderful, soul-riveting experiences because they're probably wanting you to write about it and help people understand it in our terms. Because I don't know about you, I'm fascinated by Gnostic stuff too, and the Cathars in particular, and I read all of that stuff, and and I read it, I try to read uh, you know, my, my degree was in history. So we were always taught like, you know, read first person accounts. So I, I try to read the old English and oh my gosh, it, it's so difficult. I'm like, where's the cliff notes for this? And mm. so I think it's so important for people to put those old, amazing stories into modern language. Yeah. It's really funny. Actually this morning, uh, a listener of ours and friend, she also is a listener of yours. Uh, she messaged me this morning. I was like, I'm having Samantha Faye on. And she was like, oh, I love her. She's so sweet. And I was like, yeah, her book's really good. And I was like, you know, we're very aligned in a lot of the things that we've gone through, you know, having Catholic background and, and I was like, but I think I'm probably a little bit more far out there. And then (laughs) she responded and goes, definitely. (laughs) And I was like, oh God, but it's just because, I mean, like, I really do think, and actually it's probably because of you, you had um, that one girl with the book Cosmic. Oh, uh, Dr. Diana Pasuka. Yes. Yes. I love like, Angels that book. are aliens, period. This is, it started that for me for yeah. sure. But so, you know, I have an entire like mini series about the goddess Sophia. My and, daughter's middle name is Sophia because of her. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. My oh other my daughter's gosh. middle name is Mary. So, you know, oh, okay. I, again, practical and that. far out, right? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I ended up in the Pista Sophia. And so in studying that for. Okay. So, you know what I mean about how we need people like you to update that. Just said that yesterday. It's really hard for me to explain it to anybody. That's why I did my mini series. It's very short episodes because. It's very difficult. No one can pick that up and just understand it and read it or any of the Gnostic Gospels, really. I, you're right. It needs to be put in layman's terms. And I feel like that's something that I'm really good at. Yes. That I can talk to my, probably because I've, I'm such a mom that I'm able to take something really complicated and just downsize it to where you can understand it. That's what people need. I told my editor 
so we're, we're working on like ideas for my second book. And he was like, well, I wanted to do another book on dreams and I wanted to focus it on dream visitations because I cannot tell you, I have a whole file on my computer from listeners who have sent me the most spectacular dreams experiences they've had of their loved ones visiting them. And I thought it'd be really cool to do a follow-up on that. And he was like, no, he's like, you know, about so many other things. I want you to focus on a different topic. And, and so I wanted to write a book about near-death experiences throughout the ages and religions. Like, you know, like, like a big, it would take me like a year to research, but he was yeah. like, that's a very academic topic. And I said, okay, but when I worked for my newspaper, my editor, I think she was trying to insult me, but she told me <laughs> that I should work for the USA Today rather than the New York Times company. And I <laughs> I said, I took that as a compliment because it, it's what makes us good teachers, right? Is that we can take these difficult concepts and kind of break them down yeah. in, into bite-sized things. And if you can do that with the Sophia writings, God bless and please. Yeah, because be even the books that you have out there, it's like either one, they're either very academic or very woo-woo. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to lose people with very woo-woo. No. Right. I mean, I just want to get down to the facts into the experience. I can actually use my own experiences. I have so many. So it, that's how I learned through, through my own experiences. I agree with you. And I think that your book was very easy to read. It was so informative. I knew it would be a good read because you always talk about reading, reading, reading. So I knew it was going to be a good book. Thank you. So and, much. Yeah, I just, I absolutely loved it. I also love that you added all the visualizations and the tools for the readers. I loved all of them. You know, even crystals and gemstones you suggested. I have to tell you, I put a piece of tourmaline underneath my pillow. That night, it was like ambient. I mean, you, this house could have blown up and I would have been dead asleep. I was like, okay, I'm a mom. I can't like sleep that hard. <laughs> It was crazy good. Was it the black tourmaline, like the crystal, the clear crystal with the black tourmaline going through it, or was it rutilated quartz? No, it was just solid. And it was a pretty big chunk too. But I mean, I've never slept. I slept to like 11. <gasps> that is so cool. The tourmaline quartz helps cut through all the, the nonsense so we can focus. Oh. So maybe it cut through all the like stressors or worries that we usually fall asleep with the to-do list we didn't check off you know something I recommend in um in the in the book and always to anyone there are crystals that are said to be good for dreaming like amethyst lapis labradorite kyanite unikite howlite but I think it's just as important to experiment you know and see what works for you and and just try tucking a different crystal under your pillow each night and monitoring does this help me sleep better does this help me dream better and I, I just think that's a really fun thing to do because tourmaline, of course, I don't think is normally recommended for that. And yet look at the effect it had on you. But, you know, I also would have to say, and I think that everyone's just different. I guess it's everyone's frequency is just so unique. But I remember one time I left my crystal quartz over at Mandy's house and it was on her nightstand. Well, she couldn't sleep that whole night and she was having crazy dreams and... <laughs> In the morning, she, she said, she looked over and she saw my crystal. She goes, is this yours? And I was like, yes. And she was like, oh, no wonder. But it, it caused her vibration so heightened that she actually was in and out of sleep. Probably there's a lot of energy. <laughs> well, yeah. And clear quartz is an amplifier of energy anyway. So it's going to amplify, you know, all of your energy. So it's not normally recommended for sleep. Although mm -hmm. I have this um, Lemurian I Mine's with, a Lemurian too. Oh, really? I sleep with this like a lot. And yes, huge. and a lot, it's, it is huge. But a lot of people will say don't, but I do, which is why I say, you know, just practice and see what, what works for you and, and what doesn't work for you. Everyone's going to be different. I know. I love that. Another thing you say is just to sit with your dreams when you wake up, just kind of be quiet for a moment and just let it all soak into the mind, bring it to the forefront so you can remember yeah, it. Yeah, that can be really hard for people, especially I know when I had little kids, I mean, 
I oh, have a puppy. My, yeah, or a dog. Oh, forget <laughs> it. Yeah. That can be really, really hard. And that's why I do recommend trying not every day, you know, but once in a while, if you can set your alarm a little bit earlier before everyone else wakes up, you can fall right back asleep. I'm not saying you got to get up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. and, you know, pull yeah. a Mark Wahlberg. I'm just saying if once in a while, set your alarm super early and, and snooze it and just lay there. Don't move. And just allow the dreams to wash over you. And when you fall back asleep for that second hour or two, you will remember more dreams because that's when we do the majority of our dreaming. And you even suggested maybe even changing your tone to something more relaxing instead of like, eh, eh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I thought We've really done studies true. on that. You know, yeah. the, the default alarm that Apple phones are set to, Yeah, um, they've done studies. It, it's actually incredibly jarring. And so they have been recommending that we change it. Mm, I wonder what the default is. I don't even know if I know. I'll have to go it's and that, check it out. I, I don't want to do it. But yeah, I downloaded the Downton Abbey ringtone because I love that show. And okay. that's what I that's what I wake up to. It's very calming. Nice. You know, I do find that oftentimes I have like, these dreams that are definitely reoccurring, but not like identical dreams, but like this character of mine where I'm a detective, which I know you too love true crime. I'm such a true crime junkie. <laughs> you know, I don't do it as much as I used to. Um, but I, God, I mean, sometimes if I need just that space not to think, I'll just put true crime on and just like veg. And I oftentimes am like an investigator in my dreams, I just, yeah, I'm like looking for something, investigating, which I am kind of an investigator in some of the stuff that I do. Are now. you you? Yeah, yeah. You are I mean, you. The physicist who was uh, referenced in What the Bleep Do We Know, he was on that. Anyway, he has a whole theory that dreams, he calls it dreams are alternate parallel realities. And so there is a theory out there that when we're dreaming, often we're dipping into the parallel life we're living. It reminds me, I don't remember all the details, so I, I hope I don't ramble here, but I shared on the show, this was years ago, like in 2012 or 13, I had a dream that a, a man was dying and his name was Detective Charlie and he had had a leg amputated and he was confessing to me in a way. Like I wasn't a priest in the dream. I was me, but he was talking about some regrets he had had. And I was trying to tell him the reason why he, he wanted to die. And the reason why he wasn't dying is because he was still harboring so much anger against the person who had um, done a hit and run. And that's why he had lost his leg. And it was a really impactful dream. And it really hit me emotionally because you know, I really empathized with him. I would have a hard time forgiving that person too. It changed his whole life. And so I shared it on the show and we have so many smart listeners. I know you do too, but this one woman did some research and found a detective Charlie uh, from the 1930s, I believe. I, again, I'd have to look through all my emails okay. who had lost a leg and, and all of that. And I thought, oh my gosh, what now he had died. If I remember, I think it was the forties that he had died. And so I don't know. I don't know what wow. that means for the dream. Like, I don't think I went back in time. I don't know if he's in some holding area where he hasn't been able to fully cross over because of this lack of forgiveness. I don't know. So there's also like maybe this past life connection. You described an amazing, I think it was you personally in your book describing one with a baby, which I've had a dream about a baby before too. And when I woke up, I was so longing for that baby, by the way. I mean, it, I was like, seriously, I'm all sad. But tell you if you want to share that story. I mean, I thought yeah. it was really kind of- Yeah, amazing. I love that story. I So I had um, my first daughter and then 17 months later, I had my second daughter and that was- you know, not me. I always said I wanted two kids three years apart. I ended up with three kids in four years. And I always wondered like why the minute I gave birth to my first child, I was determined to get pregnant right away, which again is, is just not like me. And I always wondered that. And so my, my second daughter came and she was so, she was so sweet and happy and easy. She was the easiest baby. And when she was about four months old, 
I had this very impactful dream. I woke up in my bedroom. I walked into my kitchen and she was sitting up in a high chair. Now a four month old, you know, not do that. <laughs> but in this dream, she was. And she said, mommy, do you want to know why uh, we picked you to be our mommy? And I said, yes, honey, please tell me. And in the dream, again, I explain this. It's a form of lucid dreaming. I call these soul travel experiences where you are aware that you're dreaming and you just kind of go with it. Right. So I knew I was dreaming. I knew she wasn't really sitting up in the high chair and talking. I knew our souls were meeting and she said, hold my hand. And so the minute I grabbed her hand, she and I were standing in a one room schoolhouse out in the Midwest. And I saw myself teaching this little class. And these two girls who I knew were my two children I had just birthed. But in this dream, they were about seven and eight. They walked into the one room schoolhouse. And as the teacher, I saw them. They were very dirty. They looked very disheveled. I walked them out of the schoolhouse to the little you know, pump where you pump the water. And I washed off their faces and hands and, and there were bruises underneath. And I said, is he at it again? And the older one who I knew was my my oldest daughter, Olivia, nodded and said, yes. And you know how dreams work. Instantly, it flashed to me reporting this man to the authorities. What it turned out to make a long story short, they were those orphan train children who were sent out to the Midwest to work on farms. So they weren't sisters, but they were on this farm together. And this man was just not nice and was very abusive. And I reported them. And they were split up and sent to different homes on different parts of the, the country. And I remember my little Victoria stood, sat there with me as I watched the me in the past life and the social worker watch the two get separated mm. and, and taken away from each other. It was so heart-wrenching. Instantly, we were back in my kitchen and she said, it's okay, mommy. She said, my name was Annie. I was a collage artist. Um, she said, I lived in New York City. I worked with Prince and I did new techniques with that and on and on. It, she told me what Olivia did and, and it was very, very involved. And she said, we wanted to be sisters for real this time. And that's why we picked you. And she said, we wanted to be twins, but you wouldn't let us. And I thought that was so interesting. And it explained yeah. why I was so determined to have them close in age. Well, Ironically, we were able to find an Annie in New York City who did collage art and had passed, I think she had passed in 1940, 1942. But I had this dream when Victoria was four months old. Now she's, you know, 19. But when she was in middle school and high school, she was an avid and still is artist. Um, Artist. She had her own Instagram art page. And I just think there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah. It actually reminds me of there's that whole show right on Netflix that people were actually tracking down what these kids were saying was true. And you actually also give examples in your book. Well, Lifetime has that creepily named show Ghost Inside My Child. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, it's not creepy at all. It just has a scary title and it's just about kids remembering their past lives. It's really, really good. And Carol Bowman, I think, is who I'd recommend to anyone interested in that because she has a whole book on children recalling their past lives. I find that fascinating because children have no motivation to lie. They've no concept really of lying. And and some of the things that they bring up, Carol Bowman talks about her own son who had this eczema only on his hand. Mm -hmm. And when he was little, recalled a past life where he was in the civil war and had had that area of his hand shot off or shot at, and it had aggravated him. And as soon as he recalled that past life, he never had eczema there again. And so I think- looking at the healing effect of recalling these past lives is absolutely phenomenal too. Wow. And all your kids are like adults now, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much. My youngest is uh, 16. So you still have one in high school. Yes. I just said, you know, Thanksgiving break just ended and cried and cried watching the car drive away. I hate that, but it's part of life and you've got to get used to it. Yes. I actually, I think the last time you had you on, your oldest was just leaving for college. If yeah, I yeah. remember correctly. So, you know, I, I love the cover of your book. I have to mention it. It's beautiful. Oh, Can you like describe where you came up with that? And who is I the didn't. girl? I you didn't. didn't. The, the okay. publisher did all of that. I didn't oh. come up with the title, the cover. They did all of that. 
So I know I was very, very lucky. They came up with one cover that was really weird. It kind of looked like an acid trip gone wrong. It was like lime (laughs) green and there was a girl petting a zebra and like a man in the woods watch. It was very creepy. And so it was the only thing I really pushed back on because they did edit the book heavily. I, I wrote a little bit too much. Um, and so I let, I followed their lead on that, but I did, I did push back on the cover and I said, no, it has to be changed. And, uh, oh, said, well, what do you, what do you want? And I, I kind of gave them an idea and they came up with that and I was very, very happy with it. Yeah, no, I love the cover. Like it's beautiful. I love your whole book. I think that there's not a lot of great dream books out there that goes through as much as what you've gone through. I mean, I have a ton of dream books I can share (laughs) from old to new. So thank you. um, It's not a dream book of like, what does it mean if you dream of apples or, you know, it's not that really this book is focused on these unique experiences. I think most people have, I've yet to talk to anyone who said, no, I've never had a strange dream like that. Yeah. But I don't think it's something we ha- that happens to us every night. So I just wanted to focus on those unique experiences where we have a precognitive dream, where we see a loved one from the other side, or we're able to have a really symbolic message that impacts us. And, and that's what I wanted to explore. And, and I think what excited me the most is that I'm not alone in my weird dream experiences and, <laughs> and all the famous people throughout history who have had these amazingly cool dreams of the, for themselves. Right. I actually, I love that you hit on that because I love the story of the lady in blue. Love that story so much. So if you guys want to know it, you have to get her book to read it. But I also love that you touched on, you know, like Solomon, that was the huge, Solomon's been a huge part of this whole Sophia thing for me. And of course, you know, God spoke in their dreams a lot in the Bible. That was like a very common thing. Imagine how different life was then. I think about that all the time. Whoever, whatever God is, I feel bad for him or her because we're so busy and distracted and there's noise everywhere and there's blue lights coming at us and Wi-Fi and text and music and Mm -hmm. AirPods. And I mean, I just, I do, I feel bad for our spiritual team, God and goddess and angels and guides and all of it. How are they supposed to talk to us? And that's why I think they are coming through our dreams because that's the only time when we're calm and silent and our walls are down and we're not focused on, on work and sending texts back and emailing this person and all of that. I love that. You give a lot of suggestions in your book of how people can set themselves up um, to receive dreams. Um, you know, one of my favorite ones, um, had come from, you know, practices that are core practices all over the world with like, you know, in shamanism, indigenous people have been using dreams for journeys and stuff like this forever to receive messages from their loved ones and spirit. So I love that you actually, I mean, I don't think you left out anything, Samantha. I thought it was great. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I really, really, really love it. Love it. And so whenever I read an audible, if I really, really super love it, then I end up buying it so I could physically have it in my hand. And I have to have your book in hand because I love, I love everything about it. And I really do love the cover. It's gorgeous. But tell everybody where they can find it. Tell everybody about your podcast and where they can find you. Sure. So the book is really anywhere you can buy books. Amazon has it. Target has it. Barnes and Noble has it. Um, you can get a signed copy if you want on my website, samanthafay.com. And I have two podcasts, Psychic Teachers and Enlightened Empaths. On Psychic Teachers, we talk about more of things like how to be psychic, how to open up to your intuition. Uh, we did a whole special this whole past year on, on magic and what it is and how to incorporate it into your life. And enlightened empaths, we talk more about the the dailiness of being intuitive and sensitive and how to deal with difficult people in your life. And and we have a lot of guests on that talk about, you know, how we can set healthy boundaries and how we can understand what kind of empath we are. So two very different podcasts, but I love, 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 love doing both of them. And I teach a lot of courses. I have a class coming up in December on working with the psychic tools of psychometry and pendulums. And then in January, I'm going to be doing my manifesting class because it's the new year and we need to focus on our goals. And then in February, I'm doing my four week be your own psychic webinar. Nice. And they can find all of this at samanthafay.com. Yes. 
Yeah. And then your book is named The Awake Dreamer. The Awake Dreamer. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. Yeah, I would just like to say that everyone dreams. We tend to have most of our dreams in the last two hours of our sleep. So if you do want to remember your dreams tonight, you might want to consider setting your alarm a little bit earlier because that will force you to wake up during that powerful last part of our dream cycle. And if you are wanting to have a dream connection with your guide, your angel, a loved one on the other side, make sure to ask to pray about it. And especially if it's a loved one, talk about them during the day, put their pictures up and say to them, you have permission to come to me in a dream. And usually it doesn't happen that night, but it will happen if you can keep that up for about within two weeks. And so I just invite people to really consider working with their dreams. We spend a third of our life sleeping. So why not engage that, that really huge part of our life as well. And finally, just thank you so much for having me on. You guys do such a great job and I really appreciate being here. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about all these dreams with us. What adventure am I going to go on tonight? <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, Thank you for you sharing know. your experiences. Yes, you too. All right. Well, you have a beautiful holiday. It's holiday season. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.